Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you today? It's great to have you here. Let's stand together. Great idea. Let's stand together. It's always good to be on our feet in honor of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's so good. He is amazing, truly amazing. And we're going to keep saying that word is for him. Lord, that word is yours. You are amazing, right? <laughs> it kind of got lost somehow. It became uh, like all these strange things are amazing, but our God is amazing. Praise your name. Let's bow our heads and our hearts together and just ask him to bless the time we have. Father, we come to you, Lord, in Jesus' name and, Lord, in the authority of his finished work on the cross, Lord. We know there is no way to you but through him, him Lord. And Jesus, we thank you that you did so totally and completely pour yourself out, Lord God. We just thank you that you are risen, Lord God, and that you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to restore what was lost in the garden, Father. And God, we just ask that you would uh, allow us to see more of you and how amazing you truly are, Lord, as we study your word, as we sing these songs of praise to you and you alone, Lord, because you alone are worthy of our praise, God. And Father, we just ask, God, for just a divine touch of your Holy Spirit as the word is proclaimed upon Pastor Lou, Lord, as he shares today. All those that are teaching our young ones as well, Lord, we just pray that there would be a special anointing and that hearts throughout this building, Lord, throughout our country, Lord God, throughout the world, would be open to receive the precious gift of Jesus, to experience true peace beyond all understanding, to be restored to you, Lord, this great relationship we have. We praise you. We thank you for that. We want to sing praises to you this day. May they be a sweet offering to you. In your name we pray. Amen. be your holy name, Lord Jesus. We will never cease to give you praise. Blessed be your holy name, Lord Jesus. I will never cease to give you praise. You are Messiah, deliverer, the Holy One of Israel. Blessed be your holy name, Lord Jesus. There's no other name by which we say You are Messiah, Deliverer Blessed be your name Your name is high Your name is high above all others Your name has set the captives free Your name delivers all the nations name is life and breath to me. Blessed be your holy name, Lord Jesus. I will never cease to give you praise. You are Messiah, deliverer, the Holy One of Israel. Blessed be your holy name, Lord Jesus. There's no other name by which we say, oh no, you are Messiah, deliverer, blessed be your name. Your name is high, your name is high. 
Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how glorious. You are amazing. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how glorious you are. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how glorious. You are amazing. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how glorious you are. Oh, how marvelous you are. Oh, how
It's amazing how we try to, it's amazing how we try to put things in his place in our hearts. <laughs> He's more than enough. Amen. Amen to that, right? <laughs> Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good. Wow, that, that was, what's going on? Good morning, church. How are we doing today? We're all doing great? Awesome, awesome. So welcome to Living Word Community Church. We would first like to welcome all the guests that are here for the first time. If you can please uh, raise your hand, we would like to welcome you. Welcome in the front, welcome in the middle. I remember you guys. Keep your hands raised. Um, our usher is going to give you some information. So our usher is going to give you information. Anybody else? Yeah, over, here. over here on my right side. Okay. Okay, anybody else? Please raise your hand. And on my left side. Okay, so when the service is done, if you can just fill it out and give it over to the sound room in the back, and we'll give you a free Jesus DVD. Okay? All right, let's continue with announcements. Today is Extraordinary Moms. They're meeting after service at 12.15 p.m. in the parent-child room. And tomorrow kicks off Summer Camp 2023 at Living Word Community Church here. That is wonderful. If you signed up your child for week one of Summer Camp, be here tomorrow by 7.45 a.m. Camp begins at 8 a.m. Don't forget to pack your child a lunch and a water bottle each day. The women's gathering is this Friday, July 14th, starting at... 6 p.m. for dinner, and the meeting is at 7 p.m. Please sign up in the Welcome Center if you will be joining us for dinner. Missionary Sunday is next Sunday, and like we always say, right, um, the Lord calls each individual to, to do something in the kingdom. And the Lord called the missionaries to share the word of Jesus, the gospel, in other countries that people usually don't hear the word. So a way that we can help is either by praying or monetarily. Okay, um, whatever the Lord leads you to give that day, then you do that. Uh, so make sure that uh, you have that in mind. Okay, keep that in prayer the entire week, and then it's next Sunday. If you signed up to be baptized, the baptism meeting will be held by Pastor Frank next Sunday, July 16th at 10 a.m. before service. Lifegivers will be meeting next Sunday, July 16th at 12.15 p.m. after service. We are in need of people to serve in our Spanish translation ministry. If you are Spanish-speaking and interested in being a part of this ministry, please come to the meeting on August 6th after service or see Ritter Savino or Naomi Albino. And once again, I just want to share from my own experience, I do speak Spanish, okay? But um, I've never translated in my life, and God just kept on putting it in my heart for months. Um, and I think the last time somebody, I think it was Ritter who approached me. She's like, you're going to translate, right? And I was like, okay, Laura, that's a confirmation. I'm going to translate. So if, you, if, you, if you've never translated, that's okay. If the Lord has put it in your heart to to help that way, to serve that way, then, then see Ritter or Naomi, okay? And uh, we're going to be showing a VBS video, 
right now. Um, I think it was two weeks ago we had the kids here. They transformed the entire church. Um, it was the theme was the armor of God, uh, put on, putting on the armor of God, and they had a wonderful time. So we thank all of those that were serving that entire week that helped. Um, so please check out our video. God bless you guys. There's two kingdoms, but they're not the same. There's only one king who will never change. There's a kingdom of lies, fear and shame, and a kingdom of truth where Jesus reigns. Kingdom keepers make a sound. The king of kings, he has been crowned. Stand for truth, will stand this day. Cause Jesus is the Make a sound The King of Kings He has been crowned We stand for truth We'll stand this day Cause Jesus is the What a great week that was. So thank you for praying and all of those volunteers. Thank you so much. And for bringing your kids out. Uh, now uh, we're going to continue worshiping the Lord. And if uh, the ushers can come forward, we're going to have our offering as part of our worship time. The Lord abundantly blesses us in so many ways. There are things we see right in front of us his provision and things we don't see right let's give him thanks for all of those things and ask him to bless what we give today father we are so grateful lord your word says that you hold us in the very palm of your hand how precious that is to us lord we just thank you lord that you see all things you know all things lord god and your provision is beyond what we could ever imagine lord your provision of jesus and his offering lord god and replacement of our sin Lord God, and Father, we are just so grateful for that transformation, for that exchange, Lord God. We ask that you would multiply what we give here as part of your provision. We give back to you, Lord. We just pray that it would grow and grow, Lord God, and it would touch many hearts, that your kingdom would be advanced, Lord God. And Lord, that we could be your soldiers. We can truly be advancing the kingdom on your behalf, Lord, with what you give, what is given today. Lord, multiply it. Use it to touch lives, Lord God. Transform hearts. And may there be many that would come to know you through what we give today. May you be honored always in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the basket's going around, you can either stand now, then, whatever you like to do. We're going to continue to worship our Lord. Even though we walk through the valley, the shadow of death, his perfect love casts out fear, right? Oh. 
for a heart that holds on. There will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, still I will praise you, still I will praise you. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? You are forgiven. You know that finished work on the cross needs to be received. It's a precious gift that we have to take hold of. If I came up to you and I gave you a gift and you stood there with your hands in your pockets, you would not receive the gift. You really do need to reach out and ask the Lord for forgiveness to receive the Lord into your heart. We're going to sing you are my king, amazing love. I want you to just meditate on those words and these words of the song as we celebrate and continue to enjoy the presence of the King of Kings. You were forsaken. I'm 
to him today. Let him sit on the throne of your heart. You, Lord, are my King. You are my King. You are my King. Yes, you are, Lord. together. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you, Lord God. We give you honor and praise and glory. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You are our king. You are our redeemer. You are our deliverer. You are our refuge, our strength. Lord, you go before us. You are our rear guard. Lord, you, you hem us in. You love us. We are beloved by you. Lord, we give you praise and honor and thanks. That while we were still sinners, you died for us. Though we don't deserve it, you willingly gave of yourself to express the love that you have for us, to express the heart of forgiveness, to demonstrate who you are, 
You're a God who loves, a God who saves, a God who sacrifices, a God who redeems. Lord, we give you praise and honor. Lord, I pray for um, our congregation. Lord God, I pray for our hearts um, that need mending. Lord, wounds that you'd bring healing. Lord, you said you were close to the brokenhearted, Lord Jesus, that you would help those who have broken hearts to feel close to you those who are struggling to feel your strength, to feel your love, to feel that you are right there with them, Lord God, and that you are holding them, comforting them, strengthening them, giving them peace, Lord God. May we turn our eyes and fix our eyes and a gaze upon you, no matter what the circumstances are going around us, Lord God, that we would see you and trust you as our loving Father who loves to give good gifts to his kids, Lord God, and we can trust you that you're going to carry us through whatever we're going through. Lord, if someone needs healing, Lord Jesus, that your touch would be upon them, bring healing. They need strength, strength. Courage, courage. Removal of fear, Lord God, that you would burst in with your confidence and give them an exuberant amount of faith. Lord, we give you honor and glory today, Lord. May you be worshiped. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you remain standing, and we're going to be looking at this morning at, at Matthew chapter 18. So you guys could turn there with me. Uh, we've been going through the book of Matthew with our youth group. Um, and a couple months ago, we went through this passage talking about what it means to be a peacemaker. So we're going to explore that together. So let's read uh, Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he'll not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Let's pray together. Lord God, I, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Lord God, I ask that you'd speak to our hearts, that you would illuminate your word to our hearts. Go before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I always like to ask a question for us to think about. The question today is, how do you properly address being wronged by fellow believers? How do you properly address being wronged by fellow believers? Um, many of us uh, have different ways in how we deal with when we're wronged and responses. Um, the question I have here is, how do you normally respond when someone hurts you or offends you? Um, are you a... Fighter. Some of us, when somebody hurts or offends me, you know, you go right back at them. Right? Some of us fight back. Maybe you're an avoider. Somebody says something, you're just like, I'm just going to avoid the conflict. I don't want to deal with it. That just kind of go off. And then maybe you, that just kind of keeps you safe. Maybe you're passive aggressive. This might go along with being an avoider, but um, where you don't address the conflict directly, but indirectly. And you're bitter and annoyed, and you may give the silent treatment. You may give the cold shoulder and a little more passive-aggressive. Uh, maybe you're the victim. Uh, you, something happens to you, you're hurt and offended, and 
oh, I can't believe this person did it. You go tell everybody, this person did this and this and this. I can't believe they did that to me. And uh, I didn't do anything wrong and it was all of them. Maybe you play the victim role. Maybe you're the gossip. That if somebody hurts me, I'm just going to tell everybody else around me. Do you believe what they did to me? This is, and you go on and on. Everybody knows. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're the peacemaker. You go and say, you know what? I'm going to go to that person one-on-one. Let me work it out between us. Let's solve this conflict, this aggression. Let's work it out. God calls us to be like Jesus, right? God calls us to be peacemakers and work things out. It's not always easy. It can be scary to address a person, go one-on-one with that person, because you don't know how they're going to respond. You also have some bitterness and anger that you're not wanting to go to that person, because maybe, you know, you have to be humble a little bit. So we're going to look at what the passage says. There's a biblical account on people within the body, if we offend or hurt one another, sin against one another. This is a Biblical model we should follow. Let's look at this. Verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. So this is specifically speaking about believers, right? It doesn't say go and gossip about him to everybody else. It doesn't say go lash out at the person. It doesn't say avoid, right? What does it say? It says, go to your brother or sister who've offended or sinned against you and talk to them one-on-one. Just you two. Doesn't mean share it to everybody, just you two. Work it out. Talk it out. There's a, a, a reality. God desires reconciliation. God desires restoration between those in the body. He doesn't want division here. God desires unity amongst the body, and we need to go one-on-one. This is not always our first go-to think, right? Our natural, sinful nature reacts and does other things. But we have to, you know, go to the Father and say, God, what do you want? What do you want me to do in this? What does your word say? How am I supposed to progress? And this is the first thing he says. You need to go one-on-one to the person, privately. Most of the time, it's just a misunderstanding. You know, I may say something, you understand it differently. You may be saying something, I'm understanding what you're saying differently. And we're arguing about two different things. Most of you know this through marriage. You've seen this happen. You'll argue for 30 minutes, and you're just like, at the end, you're like, oh, wait, that's what you, oh, I thought you meant this. I thought, oh, we're fine, right? So a lot of times within the body as well, that happens, right? And we need to understand that it could be a misunderstanding and we need to work it through instead of saying those other things, right? And that's why this scripture is helpful in James 1.19, that we could learn from this as we're dealing with someone who is hurt or offended or sinned against us. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now, wrath is usually, other translations see anger, slow to anger. So it doesn't say we should be um, quick to speak and quick to be angry and explode. Does it say that? No, it says slow. And sometimes with misunderstandings, we've got to be like, am I misunderstanding them? I need to slow it down a little bit and see what's going on. I need to hear them. Be quick to listen. May that be my emphasis of really hearing what they're saying. And be careful with my words, gentle with my words. I don't want to trigger the person to make an explosion. That's what it talks about here. And some of us may need to cool off first. I don't know about you. If somebody says something and I'm like, I'm offended, I'm like, get a little hot under the collar, right? 
and you want to explode. Sometimes, so before I talk to that person, I shouldn't go in that moment when I'm feeling mm, explosive. I need to back away, cool down, go to the Father, spend some time with the Lord understanding how much Jesus has forgiven me and reflect upon that. Wow, God, you forgave me this, 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 this in the last mm, 10 minutes. Wow. You know, and that's just a little bit. My whole life, and this person did that, I need to show the same grace and love you showed me. And when we reflect upon that, that helps us. Okay, I'm cooling down. God's going to give me the grace. You start praying about a God that you would intervene. I know the enemy wants to divide us, but you want to unite us, Lord God, that you would move and you would work. And then go to your brother or sister. So how do you properly address being wronged by a fellow believer? It's not easy to confront. It's not easy to deal with conflict. I personally don't like conflict. That's just my personality. Um, And so we don't want to deal with it. But to have a healthy relationships, if there's a brokenness, we need to do that. Same way as Jesus, you know, God the Father had a broken relationship with us because of our sin. He took the first step in Jesus coming and making the sacrifice to reunite and reconcile us to bring us back in a good relationship. And that's our example of how Jesus took the first step. We need to take that first step as well. Whether we feel wronged or not, we, we take the first step in reconciliation. Interesting, we need to guard our words. Because in scriptures, in Ephesians 4.15, it says, speaking the truth in love. Our words need to, we need to speak the truth. Yes, I was hurt. Yes, I was offended. Um, but do it gently, right? Um, do it with grace and humility. Be tactful with your words. Don't be blunt and blurt it out and say you, 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 you. If you're going you, 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 that's obviously not something um, that you haven't prepared your heart and a heart of forgiveness. So we need to be prepare our hearts, be with the Lord, and allow our words to be loving and gracious and full of grace like Jesus showed us. So that's why that time with the Father before we go and talk to that brother or sister is very important, that we are right in doing that and being gracious and humble, not prideful. The goal of this, God does not want to make your life miserable. Oh, I don't want to, avoid, I don't want to deal with this. I just move on, pretend it never happened and move on. No, God desires restoration. God desires a loving body. God doesn't want us every time we go near that person be like, you know, God doesn't want that. He desires, like, hey, you know, and, and, and everything to be healed. But sometimes it takes tactfulness. Sometimes it takes love in your speech and how you portray it. Sometimes you need to examine your own heart and say, you know what? I did this, this, and this wrong. I need to apologize first. Sometimes when we apologize, it, the other person then apologizes as well. You know what's interesting in this passage you're reading in Matthew? The passage right before it is... Um, you know, the shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one sheep. That's immediately right before it. And immediately the verse before verse 15 that we read in Matthew is this. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Isn't that interesting that right after it follows in dealing, how do you deal with conflict within the church? How do you address being sinned against? That this is the passage right before it. How many people have wandered away from the faith because church conflict and people are like, they're not godly. I thought they were going to be godly. Look how they acted. They, I don't believe any of this stuff. And they walk away from the faith. I've heard stories of people. Oh, the church is a bunch of hypocrites. 
I can't go to that. There's no such thing as Jesus. There can't be a God. Do you see that? It's interesting. God puts us right before leaving the nine and the ones that wander off. You know, maybe we need to examine our hearts and saying, do I let this fester or do I work it out? Do I gossip about the person all throughout the entire church so that everybody knows? Or am I going to have people wander off because I do that? We're going to be held accountable. We need to be careful about not spreading gossip, not creating division, and going to the person one-on-one. That's what God calls us to do. In love, in grace, so that no one would cause to wander off. Let's look at the next verse. Oh, this one also. But it says in John 13, 35, by this, all know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is important. Does it say we'll know your disciples if you're fervent for Jesus? Does it say you'll know you're my disciples if you spend time with me every day? They will know you're my disciples by what a nice church you have. Will know you're my disciples by a nice, the wonderful fellowships and outreaches to the community. Is that how they'll know? No, it says by our love, but for one another. It's interesting. It's so important to God, our love for one another. It says you, they will know you are my disciples on how you interact together. So this passage is really, really important within the body to show forgiveness and love and work things out. That's how everybody else will know. That's how those who are wandering off won't wander off. There's something different about this church. This church loves God. This church isn't a bunch of hypocrites. They work things out. I saw them get in an argument, and then they they went and they were praying together, and they were working it out. Oh, that's different. That's what God calls us. Now, our natural inclination is to fight, our sinful nature, right, is to division, so walk away. I've hurt, fine, I'm going to hurt them back. I'm going to walk away. That's our natural inclination. That's why we need to be walking according to the Spirit and allowing Him to transform us and allowing Him to be yielding to that. So 90% of the conflict within the church, if you go one-on-one to the person, it's reconciled, it's fixed. 90% of the time. So, but if that doesn't work, this is what will happen. This is what you do next. In verse 16. But if you will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So from here, if you're going one-on-one and the person's not interested, still angry, whatever, I'm not, I don't want to fix our relationship, we're done. I'm just going to be bitter and angry and keep gossiping about you. I don't care, Right? If that happens, you need to go get one or two other people. Now, this is not like, hey, your best buds. You want to find objective people, right? Somebody who's godly in the church that you could bring along with you, one or two, right? And so they would come, and they can kind of be a mediator. What I also find is interesting is sometimes they, you, you start telling, well, this person did this and this and this and this. Like, well, what did you do? How did you respond? How did that all start? Well, I said this, this, and this, and this. Well, you were wrong with those words. Oh, I was? No, no, but that person did this. No, no, but you triggered that person. That was offensive what you said. It was, that's not offensive, that's just me being me. No, those were offensive. You know, and, and so some, the person who comes alongside of you may point out, you need to apologize. Because most of the time it's disagreements, right? It's usually, it's usually both to some degree. Now, it, there may be one person that's way over the top more, right? But there's usually 
there's usually both. There's something. I know when I get in a heated disagreement, uh, you know what, I say some things in the moment that I'm like, mm, that wasn't right. I can go and apologize for that. Or I didn't respond as well. Or I gave them a dirty look on purpose to trigger them. You know, I need to apologize for those things. But sometimes someone coming along who's godly and objective can help point that out. And if they, you've talked it out and you go and you meet together, their mediator, and you apologize and they work it out. And they, an objective person shows, this is what I see over here. This is what I see over here. You guys are arguing about this and this. Is it worth it? And they start talking about it, and, and they're kind of mediated, right? And work it out. So if it doesn't work the first time, which is you and the person, bring someone who's godly with you to work it out between you. How do you properly address being wronged by a fellow believers? Sometimes it help, helps to have an outside perspective of a person after you've already went one-on-one with the person, to bring an outside, to give you a different perspective. The whole goal of this is restoration of friendship, restoration of relationship. That is the goal. The third option, which is very rare, um, I'd say 99% of all of it is fixed with the first two. Right? You go one-on-one, and then you bring someone else as an object. 99% of that is fixed. But this is rare, but it is in here because it has happened. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So if it doesn't work first, right, one-on-one, you bring somebody else in, that doesn't work, then say, hey, guys, I just want to pause the sermon. We're going to bring these two up. I'm going to tell you everything. That's not what it's talking about here. It's not saying bring it before the whole church and let everybody hear what's going on. It's talking about bring it before the church leadership, the deacons and the elders, and sit down and let's work it through. Let's... Let's pray about it. As we're praying about it together, let's go through the steps and see what's going on. And that usually works it out at that point. But if the person is so obstinate and and so defiant in their sin and refusing to repent, and it's clear and evident to everybody, and at that point you said you can leave. It says treat them like a heathen, a non-Christian, a tax collector, someone who is deliberately sinful, living worldly, not wanting anything to do with Jesus. That's how you're to treat him. You know, Pastor, that sounds kind of harsh. That's not Jesus. Jesus Jesus is gracious. He's loving. He's forgiving. That doesn't sound right. It's interesting. God also wants that he's gracious and loving to the congregation as well. And if there's someone who's divisive and deliberately sinful that is causing, leading other people astray, there's a reality that we have to protect the body as well. There's another a scripture that talks about this, and it's talking about someone who's deliberately saying it's slightly different, but it gives you an understanding a little more of why of this passage. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 2 and 5. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves but you should be mourning and sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. Verse 5. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord's return. Hmm. So it's talking about someone in the church of Corinth that is um, sleeping around with his stepmother. 
not even the, the people of the community, the, the, the world, society is doing that. That's even wrong to them. And someone is in church doing this and living in it and proud of it and tells everybody, hey, this is, you know, not a big deal. And you guys allow this. This shouldn't be right. You need to, what does it say? Throw him out. Why? Um, you need to hand him over to Satan, which really sounds not very Christian. But understand what, what there's a reason for it, right? Um, that their sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord Jesus. Understanding, if you don't know you're doing anything wrong or you're like, ah, it's not a big deal, nobody cares, but all of a sudden you're removed from the body of Christ and now you don't have the support of fellow believers and Satan could have a heyday with you, all of a sudden you're like, wait, oh, what I did was really wrong. I need to repent from this and turn back. And I've talked to other pastors who have had to remove people because of something like this. And some just say, no, I'm done. And other people have actually repented at that point and actually turned and actually worked with pastors and, and, and bringing reconciliation and healing. So there's a reason that God has this in the scriptures. It's for the betterment of our body. Because now everybody else says, doesn't say, oh, they're living like that. Well, I'm not going to sleep with my stepmother, but I could fool around here with, with my boyfriend or girlfriend. That's fine. You know, and then it, it makes uh, sin is okay. And God's like, no, that's, gonna, that's not good for your relationship with God. That's not good for your walk with him and relationship with one another. God desires the person to repent and turn back so that they'll walk with the Lord and they'll be with him for eternity. How do you properly address being wronged by your fellow believer? The goal of confronting the person is restoration. You know, like I said, going before the church, the deacons and elders is rare. But it is an option if the other ones don't work. First we go one and one, then we bring somebody godly. At that point you go before bringing the elders and the deacons. And then it continues with this idea of understanding this is going to be talking about elders and deacons bringing the person before them as well in verses 18 through 20. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. So the first part's talking about it, it says, whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. It's talking about understanding in context, right? Someone who is willfully sinning and not wanting to reconcile, and the deacons and elders are there and say and there. And if they make a decision prayerfully as a group. They're making it in the position as if God is making it. It's not, this is God's decree. Okay, are they fallible? Yes. Can they make a mistake? Yes. Could they misunderstand things? Yes. But it's the, uh, it's the idea that it, it, God is with them in that decision. They're prayerfully doing it. What's interesting, we see a next thing about prayer that we always usually use about when we're praying together. Um, it says, uh, where two or three are gathered, in my name I am in their midst. And it's talking about if you ask anything according you know, to my father. If you ask anything, I am in their midst. But it's interesting, it's talking about church division. 
And it's talking about, as we're doing this, deacons and elders and even all of us all throughout the process need to be praying, praying. It needs to be prayerful. You need to be praying and asking God for wisdom. God, what am I supposed to be doing? Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Lord, that you would be in it. It's prayerful. Where two or three who are making a decision about this person who is unrepentant sin against someone else, we need to be prayerful about it. And God is in their midst guiding them. That is what it's talking about. What's interesting, in any dealing with conflict and division within the body, it needs to be covered in prayer. You need to be surrounded in prayer and be praying about this as well. How do you properly address being wrong by fellow believers? So far, there's four steps. Right? You go one-on-one with the person. If that doesn't work, if the person is not interested, then you bring someone who's objective, godly, with you. You bring them. And you work it out. Sometimes they'll show that you're doing something wrong and you need to ask forgiveness. The other, they offer an outside perspective. If that doesn't come to the proper conclusion, we want restoration, then we have the third option is bring them for the deacons and elders. And then prayerfully, go, together, they will discuss and, and hear what's going on and then act upon that. And at all the same while, prayerfully seeking the Lord on what to do. And that we need to understand those are our steps. The whole goal is restoration and health of the body. What's interesting is the passage doesn't stop there. It continually talks about forgiveness and talks about this. So it goes on. In verse 21, it said, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall, shall my brother How often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And it's interesting here. um, it, It makes sense. Like, you're talking about you need to forgive your brother. This is what you need to do. And he goes through the steps, and then Peter's actually like, oh, man, I have to forgive, and I have to work it out. Well, how often? I don't want to have to do this all the time. Isn't there a point that we say just, okay, we're done? Isn't that what we're saying? You know, and the rabbis would say three times. So, there were, so obviously Peter was thinking, you know, Jesus is more gracious. He's more loving. He's going to take it up a notch. So he's bringing it to seven times, right? Because that's God's number. That must be it. I'm going to impress all the guys around me by mm-hmm, saying seven times. She's going to go right on. Yeah, that's what he was expecting, but Jesus just didn't take it here. Jesus take it way up here, and he goes 70 times 7, which you do the math, it's 490, right? Um, it's a lot. Now, some people say, well, in the Greek, it's a, it could be 77 times. It, I see, it, it's more understood as a figure of speech that you just continually keep forgiving. And here's the time. Here's the thing, right? Okay, so... Pastor Lou said, the Bible said, okay, 490. Well, I'm going to lean towards the 77, right? And let's just, because I don't know if I could do 490. So, so that person said something to me. So, okay, that's one. Oh, that did it again. That's two. I forgave him. I went. I did the steps. I talked to him. Okay. Well, that's three. It's still in. Okay, let's do it again. Okay, four. And you're counting. And if you keep going, wait till you get to 70. You're already used to forgiving and working it out, Right? It says, love keeps no records of wrongs, right? That's in 1 Corinthians. So I shouldn't be counting. The whole point is God wants to create you to give you a lifestyle of forgiveness and reconciliation and working it out. 
That's what he calls us to, that we're continually forgiving, continue working. Now, it's, you're not like, hey, I'm a doormat. Just walk all over me. Keep, oh, I forgive you. I forgive you. Oh, he did it again. I forgive you. What, it gives you a recipe. It says, they sin against you. They offend you. What do you do? You go to them and you work it out. It's not just you just, just let them you know, do whatever. You, you keep working it out. If that doesn't work, you bring somebody else. That's, you know, there's steps that we're supposed to take. And at any time of, of, of abuse, you need to create separation. Don't, some people look at this and say, well, Jesus says I have to forgive, so I will stay in abuse and keep getting abused. That's not what it's talking about here. You need to have separation at that point. Now, work on forgiving from your heart, yes, but sometimes those, sometimes those relationships need to be separate. Kind of like on the last step, right? The last step, which there's take them away from the body of Christ, and treat them as an outsider, sometimes there's that step if there's abusiveness in there. So I just want to make that clear to not be misunderstood. So how do you properly address being wrong by a fellow believer? Jesus is the example we have, right? Jesus is the example. He's willing to die for us while we were still sinners, why we offended him, why we keep sinning. You know, you know when all of a sudden God got a hold of your heart and where you're at, Look at the couple of weeks before. Were you the most godly person? Mm-mm. But God forgave you. And Jesus, while we were sinners, he went to fix our relationship. And we have to understand there's a reality. We're broken people, right? Broken people hurt one another. Our sinful natures, we say things. We, we, we have a bad day, and we say things we don't mean. And all of a sudden, it creates this huge explosion, and we want to react a certain way. God desires us to work things out, to bring reconciliation. Now, all of these can be applied to outside the church. So why don't you could follow some of these steps and, and look at this. But this, what we're, gonna be, we're talking about here is within the body. So Jesus doesn't stop there. He, he goes 70 times 7, and then he goes, I got a story for you. So let's see the story Jesus has to explain this point even greater. Verses 20 through 25, 23 through 25. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all he had, and that payment would be made. So we have this king. This king is very wealthy. He... Um, he allows servants to borrow money. And so if you understand a little bit in the Greek, it kind of speaks more of that the person, oh, I borrowed money, where it actually wound up he was stealing money from the king, and it was accounts for it, but he did, did it so the king wouldn't know he was taking money. That's kind of what's insinuated here in understanding the Greek. So it's kind of like as if he's stealing. Now, the equivalent of, was it 10,000 talents here? It's about $10 million. So it's not... It's not a little bit of money stolen from a king. This is an exorbitant amount of money stolen from the king. So the king says, he finds out, he's going through all his books. He's like, what? He owes me, oh, oh, uh-uh. He's, let, let's, and slavery was a thing then. So he's like, let's sell, we'll sell all of his stuff, um, sell his, him, his wife, his children, and get payment for it. At least we'll get something for this. And, and, and so I get some money back. You know, is he going to get the $10 million back? No, he's not going to get that back. 
But so let's see how what happens next. The servant therefore fell before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. Wow. He just forgave him $10 million. The king just said, he was just moved by him begging here. It's like, you know what? I know you can't pay this $10 million back. You know, keep whatever you have. It's fine. Are you kidding me? The king just gave him $10 million. Oh, that's a good day. I could have been sold as a slave in prison, but instead, hey, I get to keep the money I stole. All right. Woo. That's what just happened here. So how about you? I'd be relieved. Oh, my goodness. I got out of that one. I'm never doing that again. I'm never borrowing any money from the king. You know, going through the whole thing, this is it, and leaving. We're good to go, right? That's, that's kind of what you would think would happen. But how do you properly address being wronged by a fellow believer? I find it interesting the king has similar similarity to someone we may know, right? God the Father. We have that in Jesus dying for us. And he, uh, uh, something we couldn't pay back. We could not pay back the debt we have for him. But Jesus willingly died for us. It gives us that example that he forgave us. And it's interesting, it said the king was moved with compassion. If you read through Matthew, it happens often that Jesus was moved with compassion to heal people. So the same way the king is like God, forgiving us of our sins. We can't, all the sin we've done in our lives, we can't pay him back. There's no way we could be good enough. There's no way we could be loving enough. There's no way we could do anything to pay all the sins we've done wrong in our lives. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the $10 million forgiven. We can't pay it back. So the servant had a really good day, $10 million forgiven, and he should be throwing a party or whatever he gets home. Let's see what he does next. Verse 28. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. Hmm? You just got forgiven $10 million and you're choking a guy? Now, the equivalent is about $3,000. 10000000 three. I don't know. It's, oh, that's kind of close, right? No! <laughs> you know, the, you, you should feel so relieved. You're like, oh, thank you, king. You're the greatest. You know what? Hey, I was forgiven. Keep your 3000 Woohoo! That's what you'd think, but instead, what? No, he's angry and bitter. It's like, yeah, it's your fault that I almost got thrown in prison. He's, you know, with his throat, and um, he said, pay me back what you owe me. Hmm. Let's see what happens next. Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay back the debt. Wow, so he didn't have the same response the king had to him, did he? The, the, the other servant begged him and he said, no, I'm throwing you in prison. You got to wait till you're in prison and then you pay me back everything for $3,000. What should have he done? He should have done the same thing the king did. The king forgave him Everything. But he's filled bitterness and resentment, and he said, no, I'm throwing this guy into prison to pay it back. How do you properly address being wronged by fellow believers? Sometimes we need to forgive and let it go, not hold on to it. Now, shouldn't the man who was forgiven $10 million easily forgive the man who owed him 3000 We would think that should be it. 
The reality is Jesus forgave us just like the king forgave this man. A debt we couldn't pay. Jesus, Jesus forgave our 10 million sins so we could forgive someone who sinned against us. But you know what? This, this servant didn't have that in perspective. He didn't see, he didn't, he didn't keep in perspective, he didn't fully receive the forgiveness of the king. And you know, sometimes we don't fully receive the forgiveness of the father. That's why we can't forgive others. That's why we hold on to, because we haven't received this forgiveness. That's why it's so important daily to go before the Lord, right? Daily go before the Lord. God, forgive me for this. God, forgive me for this. God, forgive me. And then thank him. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive me. Thank you. And, and every day we become aware of how much we fall and how much we need Jesus' forgiveness. But if you just kind of go through life saying, oh, I go to church, pray the prayer, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to heaven, and just live in however without that relationship with Jesus, we're not going to live in that forgiveness. We're not going to live in that peace that he wants us to live with. We're going to live in that bitterness and anger and wanting to revenge. You know, it's, it's difficult to forgive other people. It is difficult. Some people have been hurt really bad. And when we've been hurt bad, it's really hard to forgive. Some things will take a very long time, may take a lifetime to forgive for how many wounds, deep wounds you've ever received. Now, it doesn't mean you become buddy-buddy with the friends, the person who hurt you really bad. That doesn't mean. Sometimes you're, you need to forgive, and then we need to keep that separation for our health because that's an abusive person going to keep abusing. I need to keep that. But God wants you to be free. What we don't realize is we become engaged in this prison Every time we think of the person, we get angry or anxious or annoyed or, or just consumed. God wants you to let it go. We think we're getting back at them with revenge by being bitterness and throwing the cold shoulder. But really, we're just making it miserable for ourselves. God wants us to be free. God wants us to live like, oh. A lot of times the other person just living, do-do-do-do-do. Totally forgot about that. And what do I do every time I see them? I don't know. Anybody else been there? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and we become engrossed in it. And we need to, you know, spend that time with the Father. Allow him to just wash over us and understand, wow, you forgave me this. You forgave me $10 million worth of sins. I could forgive this $3,000 worth of sin against me. They're just like me. They're broken like me. They need Jesus' forgiveness just like me. They hurt people. I hurt people. I try not to, but I do it sometimes. We could give all the excuses. Well, I didn't get enough sleep. Well, that person cut me off. Oh, you should have, I, 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 all of a sudden a bug flew in my eye and then somebody said something and I stubbed my toe at the same time and then the person comes up and I just got mad at them and I cursed them out. You can make up all excuses if you want. Right? And some of them, okay, I get that. I, I would understand that. Okay, But maybe not curse them out for a bug and a toast. But you, you know where I go with it. But we, we, you know, God desires, because here's the reality, because we're people. And because of our sinful nature, God created religion originally without sin. So that stuff wouldn't happen. In heaven, we could experience joy and, and, and good relationships all the time. But until that time, in our sinful nature, we have bad days. Or we just have normal days. And sometimes we hurt people and say things that I didn't even mean. I like said something like somebody, whoa, what just happened? Did I miss something? And I didn't even, and the person misunderstood me and totally thought I said the complete wrong thing. I mean, it's funny, even sometimes um, 
my son and I joke a little bit about stuff, and so I'm in youth group, and, I, and I'll say something to him, and, and, and everyone's like, whoa, I'm like, and, and my son's laughing, because he thinks it's a riot, what I just said, because it's, okay, I didn't do anything mean to him, it's okay, um, but the, it was interpreted as like, oh, Basil, I can't believe you said that to your son, yeah, but it wasn't meant in that you guys misunderstood, but sometimes that happens, right? wasn't totally men at all. It wasn't even like one of those things where you say something mean and said, just kidding. None of that stuff. It was totally lighthearted and understood as lighthearted and not even derogatory to any, but it could be misunderstood. And so because of that, we need to work it out. And everybody, you know, we could have good intention here, good intention here, misunderstanding, and then everybody's upset. You know, and, and so we got to, as a body of believers, we need to create unity. We need to create love, just like... Um, what is said here. So let's, let's see what happens next. So he threw the one servant through the other servant in prison, and the other one's scot-free with a $10 million worth of stuff walking around. Let's see what happens next. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgive you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just if I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to torturers until he should pay all that was due him. That's a sobering end of the passage, isn't it? So the king heard about this. The other servant said, you don't understand. The guy that, you know, you know the servant who you forgave $10 million that stole $10 million from you? Well, he grabbed another servant, choking him, said, pay him back for $3,000, and he threw him in prison. The king's like, what? And the king became enraged. It's like, bring him in. And the king sends him off to prison. Said, you'll have to be, you'll, the judgment you put on somebody else, you'll have to pay back. What you reap, you sow. And so he had to be in prison and, and until he paid it back. Now, it's interesting, his wife and kids weren't sold into slavery. Oh, that was a good deal. They're happy. <laughs> they got to live with a guy like that. That probably wasn't too pleasant. Um, but he's in prison now and delivered under the torturers. So it goes on. So my heavenly Father also will do to you. Each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brothers his trespass. Someone's like, what? Wait, I'm going to hell if I don't forgive my brother? Look at the passage. It's talking about forgiveness, right? It's talking about forgiving one another. It's talking about, it's not talking about salvation. It's talking about forgiving one another and working it out. You know, so, so it's, it, look at it that way. Don't look at it as heaven, hell type thing. It's talking about forgiveness. And we need to forgive one another in the same way as God forgives us. But we have to realize that we're held accountable for our actions. And God will be aware of, okay, if you're not forgiving, I'm aware of that. The reality is if we're showing bitterness and not continually not forgiving, are we really Jesus' kid? You know, if we're really God's kid, our actions will show, right? We will look like him. Now, not perfectly, mess up every day, but there should be some resemblance in our actions. 
So if I'm just being unforgiving and resentful and not forgiving that fellow believer, it's as if I'm not acting like Jesus' kid. So am I really Jesus' kid? It's a good question. It's a good question. We need to examine our hearts and respond like Jesus. The other reality is this person, because they didn't really understand Jesus' forgiveness, they're not living in forgiveness. Because if God won't forgive you, you're not even aware that I'm forgiving you, right? That's kind of what it's talking about. You don't understand how much I've forgiven you. If you did, you'd be forgiving your brothers and sisters. If you realized that I forgave you $10 million of sins, you would forgive the $3,000 worth of sins your brother or sister did against you. That would naturally happen. But if it's not, you don't understand what I've done for you. You're not living in that forgiveness. You're not receiving that forgiveness. How do you properly adjust being wronged by fellow believers? There's a verse here in um, James 3, 17 through 18, New Living Translation. It says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and fruits of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So we are called to, when, we, when we're addressing someone, working it through, being peace-loving and gentle at all times with our words and how we interact in working this through. Willing to yield. I may be the one who did wrong. I need to be willing to yield. Full of mercy and fruits of good deeds. I'm not going to show favoritism. I'll forgive this one, but not this one. Being willing to do this. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. God is calling us to be peacemakers, people who are willing to surrender what we want and what we think is right and being humble enough to say, you know what, I, I messed up too. I'm sorry for this, this, and this. Can we work it out? Being willing to do the hard stuff and confront, work it out. That's what God is calling us to do. Now, it's not easy Right? It's not easy to forgive, but God calls us. He gives us some steps. The steps were first, if someone offends me, I go to them one-on-one. Okay. If that doesn't seem to resolve it, then I bring a godly, objective person with me. Not my best friend, right? Somebody objective, and they help. Maybe they'll point out what I did wrong, and I need to forgive, or maybe they'll help the other person realize what they did wrong, and we'll work it out. Most of the time, that 99% of the time, it's done there. If not, you bring it before the church. That's the elders and the deacons, and you're in, and you talk it out, and they're going to be doing it prayerfully, right? You need to have prayer involved in it. The whole time, being bathed in prayer, seeking God's wisdom and direction in what to do, and prayerfully um, doing what God is calling you to do. God calls us to follow those steps. And I find it really helpful for me if I'm having trouble forgiving is just spending some time with the Father on that issue. And just spending some time, I need to spend some time going through, confessing my sins and saying, reflecting on how much God has forgiven me. You know, go through your whole life, say, well, God, forgive me this. Go, go from before you knew Jesus. All, you know, go through it all and just say, wow, God forgave me this and 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 this. And after an hour, you're like, Oh, and that person said that thing to me. Thank you, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna apologize. 
I'm going to let that go. I'm going to forgive that person, right? But we need to have that time with the Father. I need to remember what Jesus did for us, the forgiveness he did, that he forgave us an exorbitant amount of debt that we owe him that we could never forgive. And in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 12, it says, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. See the connection? God, forgive us our sins. Let me be aware of how much, Jesus, you forgive me and help me to forgive those who sin against me. There's this way and this way. And it's connected. So for me to forgive this way, I have to remember what Jesus did for me and forgave me. And then it goes that way. That's going to that's gonna be helpful steps. This is the biblical model for how to restore um, relationships and people who have wronged or sinned against you within the body of Christ. Be courageous and follow this. Don't, I know it takes a lot of courage. I know it takes a lot of strength to do this. I know it's uncomfortable. But God, this is the method God calls to bring rest, restoration within the body of Christ. So I encourage you to take those steps. Uh, the altars are going to be open if those, you know, you need to spend some time and you realize, you know, maybe you did something wrong or you want to ask God to help you through or you've been hurt and you're like, God, I need you to work in this situation. Um, they're open. You could pray your seats. You could pray here. As the worship teams come forward, let me pray for us all. Dear Lord, I praise you and I thank you, Lord God. We are undeserving of your forgiveness. Um, We have sinned against you way too many times, more than we can count. Lord God, forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our uh, mess-ups that we are even unaware of. Lord, I ask that you would um, bring change in our hearts. If we're holding bitterness and resentment, Lord God, that we lay down, that we wouldn't hold it anymore, wouldn't be allowed to imprison us any longer. Lord, that we come before your throne and see how good and gracious you are and reflect upon your goodness and grace and your mercy. That, that would compel us to show love and forgiveness as you showed us, that we would be able to show to others. Lord, I want to pray for those who are wounded. Because a lot of times in these things, we need to forgive. There's wounds. There's deep wounds. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring healing to those wounds. Bring release of the hurt and the pain and the bitterness and the anger. Lord, that you would bring freedom. Lord, I ask that you bring restoration within the body. Bring unity. Bring love. And that they would know that we're your disciples by how we love one another. Lord, go before us and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lou. Thank you, Lord, for your word. As Pastor Lou said, the altars are open for you if you'd like to come up. Spend a little time in either quiet prayer or with others. We're going to close with let forgiveness flow as we've learned of the right way to forgive.
Father, hear my again. Father, hear my again. In need of mercy, hurt for sin. So by the blood of Jesus' love, let forgiveness flow. Let it flow in my heart. In my heart and in my mind, in word and deed, I've been so blind. So by the blood of Jesus' love, let forgiveness forgiveness. May we realize how much you've forgiven us. May we walk in that love and that grace you have for it. Lord, may that overflow from our hearts to others. Lord, that you would create in our hearts the, the, the love and forgiveness you have for us that we would show to others. Lord, go before us. Prepare the hearts of someone we may be going to talk to, Lord God. Lord, that you may be in the midst and that you would work it for good, Lord God. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.